still under a spell? Yeah, okay, well, I guess we got more to talk about then. Here we go. So, so we're in week three in, in this series, and uh, it's, it's been kind of an interesting one because we've been talking about the different thoughts or ideas that we believe the tr- to be true that are actually not. And we're under this spell. And, and I, I was kind of thinking about, you know, just the whole idea of what's going on. One of the phrases today in the text that we're going to be looking at is, who cut you off? <laughs> who cut you off? I thought, man, that's, it's like they're talking to me driving down the highway, you know? And I, I was like, well, what do I do when I get cut off? You know, you know the experience. You know, you're, you're over here on 370, and you want to go north on 75, and you're in the wrong lane, and you know you're in the wrong lane, and you just want to get over one lane so you can get on the ramp and go north, right? Been there? Just me? Okay. You're there, and, and nobody will let you in. Matter of fact, they keep speeding up to cut you off. Now, what I do is I typically... I just drive all the way back into Bellevue, come back out, and graciously just let everybody go. That's what I do. And I don't know what you do, but that's what I do. You know I'm lying, don't you? Because <laughs> you know what I do? I, th- I see it as a challenge. I see it as a challenge to get up into somebody's business and say, wait a minute, you're going to cut me off? Watch this. Especially if I'm on my motorcycle. Watch out. <laughs> you, know? you know? And then I kind of give them one of those... What do you do when you get cut off, you know? I mean, because that, that's part of what's going on today is that the, the people that were in Galatia, in Galatians, they were getting cut off theologically. They were getting cut off, and they were missing their exit. They weren't able to get to where they were supposed to be, and so that's part of the conversation today. They were being led astray, and, and by the way, we've been walking through and talking through a lot of different selected texts from Galatians. We will for the next couple weeks as well. But we're just exploring this, because there's all kinds of conversations that are going on in the book of Galatians. I, I encourage you to read the whole thing, too. Just read through it. And, and so what's going on, though, is there's a crowd of people that are being misled and deceived by a lie. That's what's going on. And they're getting cut off, and they're, and they're, they're, they're missing their exit, and they're not getting where they should p- supposed to be. They're, they're missing out on what's going on. And so our key verse comes from Galatians 3.1, and it says this, You foolish Galatians, who put a spell on you? Who put a spell on you? Who, who cut you off? Who, who got you to get off course? Who got you to go the wrong way? And really, what was going on is they were trying to find their spiritual journey, but in the process, they didn't take in consideration godly wisdom, because the word foolish literally means you're without godly direction and wisdom. And they weren't, they weren't thinking about it. They weren't looking at it. They weren't wondering about what was going on. They were just under a spell. And so the definition for us is, is the spell is, in our context, is to be under the control of a thought or an idea that is not accurate or true in regards to my relationship with God. Let me say it again. It is to be under the control of a thought or an idea that is not accurate or true in regards to my relationship with God. Now, we've, we've covered a lot of different things, and it's kind of it's like this. It's like a spiritual trance. It's, it's, excuse me, it's kind of like being misled or tricked or duped. We talked a few weeks ago about being duped. I mean, that's, all these things are happening, but it has to do with my relationship with God is actually getting messed up because I'm believing something that's not true. I'm believing a lie. And he said, who put a spell on you? Who got you to believe this lie? 
How's this happening? And really what it was, and it's interesting because if you kind of unpack the whole text and the whole book of Galatians or the letter, it's actually a letter, and you unpack that, you find out that really it was a bunch of religious people. It was a bunch of religious people that were getting them off course, and the religious people themselves had accepted a lie, and they were just giving it away. And so that was what was taken. Now, there's something at stake, though, and here's what's at stake, and we've said this every week, and I, I say it because I think we need to understand the magnitude of what's going on here. What we believe to be true determines how we live. What we believe to be true determines how we live. And how we live determines where we end up. That's, that's just how it works out. I mean, so, so when, when Paul's saying, man, this is a big deal. I mean, there's exclamation marks. And he's like, hey, it's like he's pounding the table. And he's saying, what is going on here? And it's not like, ah, you just, you're thinking the wrong way. No, it isn't just thinking the wrong way. You're, you're going to end up in the wrong place. And so he gets pretty intense about it. It gets pretty in their face about it. Matter of fact, he gets pretty aggressive. By the way, the text today, and I didn't, I'm just thinking about it. There's actually a a verse or two after the text that we're reading today. I'll just say, go check it out, and you'll be, whoa, what what is he talking about? I mean, it's pretty aggressive language. I'll just tease her. You just go read it. A few verses after the text today. It has to do with mutilation and castration. Just throw that out there. (laughs) All right? Okay, just so... I mean, I thought, man, that's, I don't know what you do with that message, but we'll just leave that one alone, okay? But, so, so what you believe to be true determines how you live and where you end up. And so, so far, here's what, what we've talked about. In week one, we talked about this spell. The spell simply goes like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's a, that's a spell. It's a lie. It does matter what you believe. Matter of fact, Jesus said that, that it matters intensely what you believed about truth. And there's a couple of reasons why. Because truth is exclusive. There isn't like all kinds of truth. There's a truth. I mean, two plus two is four. Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. In other words, he was saying the truth is exclusive. So it's, it's really important what you think about truth. And then not only that, but he said that truth is vital. In other words, he said that the truth is what sets you free. So if it has this freedom element to it, and it has this exclusive idea, then maybe it matters a little bit about what I think to be true, not just what I think to be sincere, right? Because you can be sincerely wrong. So that was first week. Last week, we talked about another spell, and that was simply this, that good people go to heaven. Like, that's got to be true. No, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Somehow, if we think that we're going we're gonna to earn, because this actually, today's message is like part two to last week's message, is that somehow I'm going to be good enough to earn my way. It just doesn't happen that way. And we kind of broke that down about what's wrong with that. And really, the, the, the biggest thing is we make the very life of Christ to be a lie when we believe that good people go to heaven and not forgiven people. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so this week, we're going to look at another one. And here's, here's the lie or the spell for today that's dangerously affecting people. It was dangerously affecting people in, the, in this, the letter to the Galatians, and it's dangerously affecting us today. This is a huge deal, and it goes simply like this. I can earn God's approval. I can earn God's approval. It's a spell. It's a spell. It's another clever lie. It's another thought that somehow I'm going to earn this. I'm going I'm to, maybe you've been sitting here today thinking, well, I, I came to church because I thought I could earn it. <laughs> it's a lie. 
I can earn God's approval. And the spell goes something like this. As long as I do some religious activity, whatever that may be. I mean, for some groups, it's really weird, right? I mean, I've heard of groups that actually think if they crawl up a mountain with their knees all bloodied and their palms all bloody, and they get to the top of the mountain, that somehow God is going to be impressed with that and give them favor. I mean, they're like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. And, and so there's all kinds of different variations of this thing that we see. So it's somehow that as long as I do some religious activity or perform a certain way in life, I'm going to be okay. I mean, it's, it's I, I, in my own works and my own power, I can somehow earn God's favor or his acceptance or his approval. If I do this or I don't do that, I'm pleasing to God. That's, that's the basis of that idea. But, but that's the lie. And somehow, my performance is going to gain God's favor. That somehow, I'm going to do something that God's going to go, now I love you. Now I accept you. Now I approve of you. Because you did that in some kind of thing you did of yourself, that you're going to earn this thing, that it happens. And so somehow, this is, in, this is what happens. Somehow we mistakenly think that we will will ourselves. In other words, I'm going to will myself into God's favor. I'm just going to work harder. God's going to like me because I'm going to run faster spiritually. I'm going to jump higher spiritually. I'm going to go to church more than anybody else. I'm going to read more Bible scriptures than anybody else. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm leaping on a single bound. I'm going to do it harder. I'm going to will myself, and God's going to like me. God's going to love me. He's going to accept me. Or somehow we mistakenly think, and this is kind of a weird one I was thinking about, is that why do we, why do we buy into this lie? Is that we think God needs our help. He just needs a little kick or bump or whatever. I mean, somehow I'm going to help God. God and, or, and, and maybe it's, I think I'm going to help him because I'm a special case. Don't take that too far. I'm, I'm special in some way. And so because I'm special, I need to get extra credit. Because I'm so bad, i got to do more good things to earn this thing. And so it kind of gets messed up in our thought process. I've actually heard people say that. No, I'm so bad, man, I'm going to have to pay for a long time to get there. What are you talking about? Or, or here, here's another one, is we struggle to accept something for free. Anybody like that? You just have a hard time accepting something for free. You just, you know, somebody gives you something. I know me, I, when somebody gives me something, I, I got, even today, you know, you guys, I'm like, oh, man, this is really, oh, man, this is uncomfortable, awkward, you know, whew, wow. Okay, amen, let's move on. <laughs> you know? Because we just struggle to accept something for free. And really what happens is our pride gets in the way. Our pride gets in the way. The very reason that Christ came was to help us get free from pride. But many times our pride gets in the way from us to accept that and be a part of that. So we struggle. And, and I, you know, so why is it so hard to accept a free gift of grace? Because that's really kind of some of the conversation today. It goes against our we have to earn it mentality. It just goes against that. I mean, we, 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 we have this inside of it that says, I don't want, you know, there's, a, there's people out there, I know there is, that they just want everything for free. <laughs> you know? I mean, they just think the world owes them everything, you know, every turn they go. But then there's other people who think, well, you know, I feel a lot uncomfortable when everybody's giving me stuff for free. I got to earn it. 
I can somehow pay for it. I can, and it doesn't make sense to get something valuable for nothing. It doesn't make sense. I mean, you, you go, wait a minute, what, what this God is doing? Uh, eh, and you try to put those two things together, and it just doesn't make sense. And so that's really what's going on with this spell today, that somehow we think we can, by our own performance, by our own efforts, by our own abilities, we can earn God's approval. It's a spell. It's a spell. Matter of fact, let's look at the text for today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. I think on your notes it might have said 7. Sorry about that. But uh, 1 through 6, it says this. So Christ... I mean, he's, he's kind of been building this whole thing. He's been talking about this for four chapters already. He's been writing a lot, trying to get people out of the spell mentality, out of this thing. And a big part of it was trying to think that you could earn it. And he says, so Christ has truly set us free. Notice he doesn't have a list there. It's just one thing, just Christ. So Christ has truly set us free. Now, and he, because of that, now make sure that you stay free. I mean, understand this. Get a hold of this one idea that Christ has set you free. So make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in, in slavery, uh, tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this, and he kind of, I mean, you hear him. He's just pounding the table. He's like, come on, guys. This is a spell. This is a trick. This is a lie. Listen to what I'm telling you. I tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision, if you're counting on circumcision, we'll talk about that in just a second, to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the law of Moses. And it goes on. For if you, tr- you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness, and by the way, that can be translated acceptance or approval from God that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. I mean, so he, he's kind of hammering on this thing. He's like, hey, guys, that whole idea that you can somehow earn God's approval, it's a lie. It's not true. It's, it, it's, it's totally opposite of the truth. Matter of fact, it, it's so untrue, it's causing more problems than good. It's messing you up. It's causing you to miss the exit. It's causing you to get cut off from the race. It's causing you to get bumped out of position. You're missing something incredibly important here because the spell that I can earn it has gotten a hold of your head and your mind and your thoughts, and it's just messing you up. And that's what he's talking about. So what is Paul trying to get them to see clearly? He, he was trying to break it down. They were under the spell that Jesus did, what Jesus did on the cross was not enough. It's not enough. There has to be something more. I mean, that's too big a valuable of a gift. There has to be something more. I have to do something more to earn this. I mean, this, you know, because they were down with Jesus, but they were trying to say, and other stuff. They're trying to put other things with it. And so simply, here's what it is. God's plan, right? God's plan is this. Jesus alone. Jesus alone came to set us free. That's it. 
Jesus alone. That's what he says. So Christ has truly set us free. That's the text. That's, he didn't put a list of things. There wasn't like 25. Let me give you all the things that set you free. No, this is Christ. One focused thought. Jesus came to set us free. And so Jesus alone came to set us free. Nothing else. Nothing else. Adding anything else, listen to this, adding anything else is actually the spell. So when I say, wait a minute, it's Jesus and this in my life, or Jesus and this in my life, no matter what it is, at that moment I've stepped out of truth and I've stepped into a lie, and now I'm under a spell. Because it doesn't work like that. He said, come on, you pound the table. It doesn't work like that. So then, God's plan is Jesus alone came to set us free, adding anything else to the spell. It's one of the biggest lies on the planet. It's one of the biggest lies on the planet. Jesus and, quote, anything else is a lie. That's, that's what he's saying. He said, Once you go there, you've, you've just changed the whole thing. It doesn't work like that. It's God's plan. Jesus alone gives us freedom. Now, then you've got to ask the question, freedom from what, right? I mean, that's a legitimate question. Freedom from what? And, and here's, here's the freedom part. It's freedom from the control of our sins or our stupidity. <laughs> it's freedom from, from what it has on our lives, the hold that it has on our lives. Somebody once told me this is a great way to describe how our interaction with our sinful life is, right? It's like you ever went to the beach, you know, or the lake, or, you know, around here we don't have a lot of beaches, but you went to the lake or you went to a pool and you had one of these big beach balls, you know, and it was just about the right size that if you really, really worked hard, you could get it to go underwater. (laughs) You know, you've done that. I mean, you push this thing down, you're like... I got it, I got it. And that thing flies up and it smacks the little kid in front of me. He's crying and screaming. And, you know, and then you go, well, I can do it. You know, you're holding that thing down. I mean, it's, it's everything you can do to hold this thing down. What Jesus come to do is he came to set us free from that burden of trying to hold it down like that. Of us working our tails off to somehow keep the beach ball under the water. And so it sets us free from that control and that hold on our lives. It's freedom from God's judgment. All of a sudden now, when Jesus alone comes in my life, I'm free from the judgment of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of freaks me out a little bit to think about the judgment of God. I mean, we're not talking like little kitty spanking. Don't do that. We're talking about the holy justice and wrath that's the better word of god all of a sudden because i've stepped into this relationship with christ and christ alone has set me free he set me free from the judgment or the wrath of god in other words i don't stand getting ready to be judged i stand to get in being ready to be embraced in eternity totally different that's freedom there's another one freedom from shame you know I mean, all of a sudden, you know, all that baggage that you've been carrying around that seems like it knocks you down and causes you to miss the exit and cut you off and get you off course and all those kind of things, all of a sudden, all the shame and the guilt of what didn't work out the way you thought it should have worked out is gone. You're free from that. So free from unrealistic expectations. I'm liking that one. You know, I, I struggle with that all the time as a pastor. I get up here and I think, God, you know what? I really don't have anything to prove. 
I, 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 you know, I like these people. I really like them, actually. I, I love them. But I just don't want to perform. Matter of fact, I, I kind of disgust it, you know? kind of rubs me, you know, and, and I think what it is is it's just in there. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have these unrealistic expectations that somehow I've got to perform for you, for God to love me. I don't know if that's going to work. I know it's not. So, so unrealistic expectations, freedom from the pressure to perform to please God, freedom from being, here's one, from being stressed out and wore out all the time trying to make it right. <laughs> Always thinking I have to reimburse God. That somehow, you know, I'm going to do this, but here's the truth. I can't earn this. I can't will it into being. I can't perform well enough to make it happen. Why? Because Jesus alone <laughs> sets me free. That's what he's saying. So then he goes from there. Then he starts breaking it down. It's like, just in case you don't get that one phrase, here's the phrase. Jesus alone sets you free. Jesus alone gives you the life that you're desperately needing. He helps you find the right exit. Okay. He says, well, let's just kind of break it down. And so there's a few things in the text here. There's two dangerous dilemmas that he mentions, and then there's three things to avoid, all right? Here's the two dangerous dilemmas. The first one is this. If you continue to act or walk under this spell, you're actually going to go backwards, not forwards. You're going to go backwards. It said that you're going to become tied up again to slavery. You're going to go back to where you were. You're going to start over. How many like that? You're just like, hey, I'm going to start over. <laughs> No, this is like, you have to do it again, start over. It isn't like a brand new, hey, good day, woo you know, that kind of thing. It's like, no, you have to start over. You have to go back to go, you know, do not collect 200, you know, that kind of thing. You have to go back. And, and so instead of forwards, you actually become a slave again, and you reverse what Jesus came to do, and you're right back where you started, tied up again in slavery, or maybe still in slavery. And you're saying slavery what? Well, because the freedom that I just described hasn't become part of who you are. And so there's something else going on there. So, so e ever feel like that? Or like you're just going around circles and spiritually? I mean, I think about that. I, you know, just kinda, I talk to people sometimes and they're like, man, I just feel like I keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Maybe the problem is, is you're under spell. Maybe you're trying to earn something you were never supposed to earn. <laughs> Maybe you were trying to put Jesus and something, and it's just messing it up. And because you're doing that, you're actually going backwards, not forwards. The second one is this. Is this is the other dangerous dilemma, is you actually make it worse. You're thinking, man, if I'm out there and I'm doing this good thing, and I'm, just, I'm trying to earn my way, and I've got all these things I'm doing, surely it's got to make it better. No, actually it makes it worse. So I go backwards, I have to start over, I'm getting tied up again in this whole thing. The second one is I, it says that I get cut off from Christ. I'm not even connected now because of this. This spell's actually put me in a place where I'm not even connected to who and what Jesus Christ is and the freedom part of all that is going on. It's not even happening. The second part of it, and this gets even more crazy, I actually fall away from grace. I mean, it's like, What? <laughs> Because I've allowed the spell, the thought, the lie to determine where I'm going. And so two dilemmas, or two dangerous dilemmas. I actually go backwards and I actually make it worse. <laughs> and I was thinking, of it, it's kind of like a grace killer. You, you just kill it. <laughs> you just stab it. It's like, ugh. You got to, I, I'm not making this better. 
it's, it's hard, it, it seems difficult, and maybe it's because you're under the spell thinking that we can earn God's approval when we really can't. All right, so there's the limit. So here's three things that he gives us to avoid, all right? Here's the three things to avoid. First one is this. Avoid placing the emphasis of your life, my life, what you do, on what we do for God. Avoid placing the emphasis on what we do for God. Instead, place the emphasis on what God does for us. He's like, here's, here's what's happening. You're, you're, you're so caught up in what you're doing, you're missing the big picture. And the big picture is what God's doing. The big picture is what God is actually up to, what he's all about, and where he's going with this whole thing. And so somehow he said, really what he's saying is that when we see ourselves as the masters of our own fate, we're missing it. But when we begin to see God as all of a sudden, he's got this great, incredible plan, and God is up to something, and I'm actually part of it. My story is colliding with a bigger story, and it's him doing it. All of a sudden, now my perspective's right. He said, be careful. Avoid placing emphasis on what we do for God. Instead, place it on what God does for us. You know, maybe you see phrases like this. God helps those who help themselves. By the way, that's not even in the Bible. No, it's not, it's not in there. If, if I just stop sinning or doing stupid things or making bad choices, if I just will myself, I'll be okay. I and you begin to think it's all about what I do. When we make it all about me or I, then this is what happens. We actually water it down. Paul said it becomes of no benefit then. It's all about you. <laughs> you've, you've made the emphasis all about you, and you've missed the emphasis that it really should be about. And because of that, the spell has grabbed a hold of you, and you can't go forward. And we actually water down what God does. And when I try to earn God's favor in my own strength, I'm actually canceling the power of the cross. I'm actually canceling what Jesus came to do. And we make the sacrifice of Christ worthless, and we replace the work of Christ with our own works. In other words, we're inserting us where God only belongs. And he's saying simply this. Put the emphasis. Avoid putting the emphasis on what you do. Put the emphasis on what he does. That's, that's the first thing. It's, it's kind of like this. You know, you get invited to a, a friend's house to be a guest for dinner, you know, and you get there and it's, man, real nice spread. And they're really gracious hostesses and they're just inviting you over, just hanging out, you know, and it's been fun, laughter and everything. I mean, they put, the, put together a nice meal. You all sat down and talked and interacted and had all this kind of stuff. And then when it gets time to leave, you get up and you reach in your pocket and say, well, how much do I owe you? <laughs> You'd be going, what? I mean, it would be insult, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be, you'd be like, what are you talking about? This is, I'm trying to give you, it's not about you. This is about me giving something to you, not about you paying for something. And we just missed the emphasis. Here's the second thing to avoid. Avoid making the symbolism of your relationship, of your relationship more important than a relationship itself. Avoid making this symbolism of your relationship more important than the relationship itself. See, the symbolism of their efforts was circumcision. That's what you heard that. He said, hey, if you're counting on circumcision, if you're trying to buy circumcision, I mean, it's like circumcision. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go too far there, but I hope you know what that is. Um, but 
the circumcision was actually a symbol of their identity with God. It was a symbol. It, it was that we're, we're set apart. I'm completely yours. It's, it's, everything's out in the open. This is, this is who I am before you, right? I identify because of symbolism, all right? The symbolism. So what they were doing is they were actually counting on this symbolism to somehow give them approval with God. They were missing it here. The, the spell was tricking, and they were making the symbolism of the relationship bigger and more important than the relationship itself, and they were missing it. It's, here, here's the modern-day counterparts, all right? Modern-day counterparts are maybe a cross we wear around our neck, you know? It's a symbol. But, man, how many times have you watched people on TV, they get this big cross, you're going, is that, is that the same thing? You're trying to figure out if it is, but what they've done is they put the symbolism out in front of the actual relationship, and so the spell is active. Or, or here's another one. You know, right now it's kind of in vogue to, to get tattoos and all that kind of stuff, and I, not wrong or right tattoo. I'm just saying, you know, we might have the God tattoo and the Jesus and the, the verse and all these kind of stuff. It's a symbol, right? It's a symbol of a relationship. It isn't the relationship. And so he's saying, hey, don't make the symbol of your relationship more important than a relationship itself. Or other religious activities, like I go to church. How many of you know if you go to McDonald's, you don't become automatically a hamburger? Right? <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. I mean, if you, just because you went to, I mean, if you go to the gym, it doesn't automatically make you a bodybuilder, right? You might have just been dropping something off for somebody that actually is working out. Anyway. So maybe I go to church or I read my Bible or I give an offering and all those are good. They're, they're valuable. They're, they're fine. They're okay. But once I place the symbolism, the symbolism of the relationship above the relationship, then all of a sudden now I'm under a spell. All of a sudden now I, I've lost sight of it. And I thought about it this way. You know, I've been, I, my wedding ring, this wedding ring, it is permanently on my arm, my, I mean on my hand. It, I can't get it off. You know, if I ever had anything happen, they just have to cut it off because my, I think I've just gotten fat and calluses or whatever. I can't, I literally cannot get this off. And, and that's probably a good thing because, you know, it, symbolism sakes, th this just means everything is perfect in my marriage. <laughs> so you go, yeah, right. I don't know what you're smoking, but that ain't true. <laughs> I mean, that's, but see, what that means is because my wedding ring is a symbol of my relationship, it would be stupid of me to think because I have it on that everything's okay in my marriage. Right? It's just a symbol. So, so how would I think that because I got the symbol on or because I'm wearing the cross or I go to church or I read my Bible, that's all that's going to make the difference? It's not. And he's, Paul is saying, hey, don't trust the symbolism of your relationship in lieu of or in place of the actual relationship. It doesn't work like that. And so he's kind of hammering on that thing. So really what he's saying is, what we're saying in all this is that because we do the rituals, I have God's favor. Because I have the ring on, because I do, he's saying don't do that. So here's the third one. The third one is this. Avoid overestimating your ability to pay a perfect price. Avoid overestimating your ability 
to pay a perfect price. Because what it, it says in the text, and I didn't write in my notes, but it says something to this effect. If you're going to do the whole law circumcision thing, you've got to do it perfectly. You've got to do the whole thing, all of it. Matter of fact, I'm sure I read that right. It says this, but um, I say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole, whole law of Moses. What's he saying? He said, here's the deal. If, if somehow that you could earn it, you'd have to be perfect. You'd have to be absolutely perfect. Now, I don't know about you. Let's just take a show of hands. Perfect people in the house. We got a problem. <laughs> right? It just isn't going to happen. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen that way. And so what he's saying is, is avoid overestimating your ability to somehow be perfect to pay the price. And you're like, well, what's the whole deal with the perfect thing? Well, obviously, we talked about it last week a little bit. I'm going to go real fast. Is that the law, in other words, the Ten Commandments and all the different things, they're not there to actually make me perfect. They're actually there to show me how in, imperfect I am. In other words, how, in much, how, in, how much in need I am. That's what they're there for. And so he's like, hey, if you're even going to do this, just, in, just if you thought you would, you'd have to do the whole thing. You have to be perfect. And, here, and it kind of, because here's how it breaks down. Only a perfect person could pay a perfect price. And I'll just throw out the little question, who's perfect? Five-year-old Sunday school class? Jesus. <laughs> Man, come on. Come on, get with me here. Come on. <laughs> you guys go, well, I don't know, man. Who's he talking about? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, so if there's only one perfect person and God only accepts one perfect sacrifice, one perfect price, and Jesus is it, we go right back full circle where we start. Christ truly is the one that sets us free. That's how it works. So, so the whole idea here is it's not Jesus and something else. It's just Jesus. So you're like, cool, I don't ever have to go to church anymore. <laughs> I don't have to ever do anything. Here's the deal. Here, here's an interesting thing. If you get this, your automatic thought would be, well, then what's anything matter? And here's what Paul said in a different place. He said, should then I go and sin even more that grace would abound? In other words, what he's saying is, man, if it works that way, then... <laughs> Hey, I want more of this, so let's just keep being stupid and keeps getting poured out. No, what he's saying is this, is once you get this, your reaction then is love. Your reaction is, I want to be a part of this. Your reaction is, I want to be in the relationship and do what the relationship is all about. And that's that last phrase that said that, that you know, let me read, I don't have my notes. What, what is important is faith expressing itself in love, it's the expression of what's happened, not me earning it, okay? So, don't, don't overestimate your ability to pay the perfect price. And the last thing, and here's the truth, the only way to freedom, because, again, the whole book of, or letter of Galatians is actually about freedom, liberty. The only way to freedom with God is accepting fully His offer of grace, like, wait a minute, I can't earn it? No, you just accept it. I, I can't buy it, I can't, I can't jump through hurdles, I can't do, you just accept it. Like, oh, 
that goes against my nature to earn something. It's called grace. You get something you don't deserve. You get something you could never earn. That's why it's called grace. And so we accept fully the offer of grace. The only thing that earns favor with God is yielding to Him completely. It's faith that makes me right with God. What is faith? It's simply this. It is a conviction of truth. It is a commitment to trust. It is a behavior that proves it. Let me say that again. It's a conviction of truth. In other words, what God has promised and what God is doing, His plan is true. It's a commitment to trust that. In other words, I I lean upon it. I give myself to it completely. Not one day, oh, I'm out, back and forth. And the last thing is because of those two things, now it is proved by my behavior. That's the order. So, the only way to freedom is accepting the full offer of Christ. And it's not works, it's faith. It's totally, absolutely free. If I try to earn it, I mess it up. If I try to earn it, I mess it up. So here's a verse. I love this, how it says it in the message. It says Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, saving, saving, meaning that freedom work that we're talking about here, is all his idea, God's idea, all his work. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is, say that with me, trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging about it like we'd done the whole thing ourselves. Right? And so really we're saying, you know what, God, this is all your show. <laughs> this is all about you. And so for me to somehow think that my symbolism or, or the other things, or somehow I play, you know, this major role, I don't. It's you. It's all you. And I'm just accepting what you're doing. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. It's totally free. I earn it. So here's, here's the last thought. I'm closing with this. Two thoughts. First one is this. God loves me, period. God loves me, period. Why is he loving? Because God is love, right? I mean, you've heard all that. But here's, here's the point of this. Is that I can't make God love me more than he already does. In other words, before I was born, God already loved me to the thousand degree. There's nothing I can do that somehow, oh, now he loves me more. No, God loves me, period. Matter of fact, if you go back and you look at the whole idea of Abraham in the Old Testament, you find out that God actually chose somebody not because of anything they'd done, Abraham, just because of who he was, God. It was God initiated, it was God done, and he's chasing after you, and he's chasing after me, and he loves me, period. I can't do anything that's going to earn any more love than what he already has for me. It's completely, fully available. Second one is this. God is actually looking for my acceptance of him. Not the, not the turn, not the flip side of it. He's... He's not, it's not, I'm trying to earn his acceptance. No, he's trying to get me to accept him. What? What's up with that? Because, here's what's going on. When you stand at the gate of heaven and you ask, why should I let let you in? He asks us that. The answer is, because I accepted fully what you did for me. (laughs) 
It's not because, man, I went to church every week. I did all these religious things. I did all that kind of stuff. No, it's not, man, God, you did something for me, and I didn't deserve it. I accept it right now. Hebrews 11, 6, first part that says, And without faith is impossible to please God. Let's pray. Lord, today, I simply pray that you would open up our eyes to the truth of what we've been talking about for the last few minutes. That I can't earn it. That God, you love me completely. You already love me more than enough. I just need to accept that. And Lord, maybe today there's those in the room that have been trying to earn God's approval, been trying to earn God's acceptance, and it just hasn't been working the way they thought it was supposed to. But right now, God, you're trying to show them the way. That Jesus came to pay the perfect price, and all I have to do is accept it fully. To say yes to that, God. That's all my part is, is yes to your promise. Yes to what you're doing. Yes to what you're trying to make happen in my life that you would bring freedom. That's all I have to do is say yes to you, God. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to perform. Stop trying to make it happen in my own power. Just yes to you. Lord, let it be so. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I've been trying to earn it. And I realize that today. I've been under this spell. And I think God is wanting me to accept fully the gift of Jesus today. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me? Yeah, yeah. Lord, right now, those who raise their hand, several people in the room, God, I ask that they would simply make a step of faith that says, God, I'm putting aside this symbolism, I'm putting aside what I do, and I'm accepting what you do. Lord, forgive me for my stupidity and my rebellion and my sin and my, my attitude. Lord, all this, the pride, God, forgive me for all those things. And Lord, may you give me freedom. Not because I've earned it, Lord, but just because I simply said, here, God, I can't do it myself. I realize that today, and so I accept fully the gift and the offer that you're giving me. In Jesus' name, amen.